Hello, I'm Lou Mirando, and today I'll be reading for the USA Today for February 20th, 2024. Our first story is international, and it's titled, At UN Court, Palestinians Say Israel Has Enforced Colonialism and Apartheid, by John Bacon. Israel's occupation of the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, and East Jerusalem denies Palestinians the right to self-determination, is illegal, and must be brought to an immediate, unconditional, and total end, the Palestinian force minister told the UN top court Monday. Riyad Al-Amalika told the International Court of Justice in The Hague, Netherlands, that Palestinians have endured colonialism and apartheid since the occupation began in 1967. Now the world must finally cut off support to Israel, he said. No aid, no assistance, no complicity, no contribution to forcible actions, no money, no arms, no trade, Alamayaki said. All UN member states are obliged by law to end Israel's presence on the territory of Palestine. Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu issued a statement saying Israel does not recognize the legitimacy of the proceedings, which he described as, in an, as an effort to infringe on Israel's rights to defend itself against existential threats. The UN General Assembly asked the court for an advisory opinion on Israel's 57-year occupation and refusal to comply with overwhelming global support for a two-state solution. Netanyahu's government says it must retain control of security over the territories because Palestinian political leaders have vowed to destroy Israel. Netanyahu points to the October 7th attack on Israel by Hamas-led militants who killed 1,200 people and seized more than 250 hostages before retreating back to Gaza. Al-Maliki accused Israel of denying Gaza residents desperately needed humanitarian aid with a false claim that the aid was supporting Hamas. Israel has transformed the Gaza Strip into an impoverished enclave, a strangled, besieged, bombarded community, isolated and severed from the West Bank and East Jerusalem, he told the court. Its leaders have declared that Israel will be the sovereign over the land between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea and made this formal government policy. More than 50 countries are expecting to testify during the week-long hearing. Israel likely will provide a written rebuttal. Judges could take months to issue a non-binding opinion. Qatar's prime minister criticized Netanyahu for asking Qatar officials to pressure Hamas into freezing Israeli hostages. Sheikh Mohammed ben Abdullah al-Tani added that talks toward a ceasefire and a long-term peace deal were not very promising. Qatar, Egypt, and the U.S. have spearheaded the talks, and authorities in the three nations have generally kept public comments on the talks positive. But on Monday, Qatar's foreign ministry spokesman, Majad al-Asari, described Netanyahu's request as nothing but a new attempt by him to delay and prolong the war for reasons that have become clear to everyone. Our next story is titled, Is Your Health Information Safe? by Ken Altucker. Patients were inundated with spam texts and other annoyances after the massive HCA healthcare data attack disclosed last July compromised the records of more than 11 million people. A Florida resident learned through a credit monitoring service that his personal information had turned up in dark web forums. He had to swap out credit and debit cards after fraudulent charges surfaced, according to federal lawsuit. A Richmond, Virginia mom who had been given birth to triplets in September of 2022 received data breach notices addressed to herself and one of her three infants. Since then, she's received suspicious medical bills the hospital has been unable to explain, according to the same class action suit. 
The HCA theft was the largest hospital breach in 2023, a year in which about one in three Americans were affected by health-related data breaches. The number of attacks have surged in recent years. They're typically carried out by organized hackers, often operating overseas, who target the computer systems of health providers and the vendors and companies that serve them. Most of the largest hacks target vendors who bill, mail, or provide other services for hospitals, doctors, and other health providers. Last year, a record 133 million health records were exposed in data breaches, mainly carried out by hackers who attacked health providers and their vendors, infiltrated computer systems, and demanded ransom or other payments. An average of two health data hacks or thefts of at least 500 records were carried out daily last year in the U.S., according to analysis by the HIPAA Journal. The healthcare industry has sought to bolster its defenses against these sophisticated hacks with some success. These now routine hacks can hassle consumers and their families must monitor their credit histories with credit reporting agencies. In the worst cases, bad actors use or sell personal identifying information to credit and debit bureau fraudsters who open accounts in the victim's name, leaving a digital trail that can take years for victims to clear. The HCA theft targeted an external storage system for the Nashville, Tennessee-based company, a hospital chain that with locations in 20 states. This system contained patients' names, addresses, emails, phone numbers, dates of birth, and genders of patients along with dates and allocations they've received service. No health data such as diagnosis or conditions was stolen, officials say. Attorneys for 15 victims said in court documents filed February 2nd at the U.S. District Court in Nashville that they seek to hold HCA responsible for the data hack due to its impermissibly inadequate data security measures. These organized hacks are often carried out by criminal organizations seeking to profit from these attacks. In recent years, hackers have disrupted hospital and healthcare systems in ransomware attacks. As the name implies, hackers take control of a hospital's data systems and demand a ransom payment for the return of control. Ransomware attacks more than doubled from 2016 through 2021, according to a study published in JMA, JAMA Health Forum. Criminal organizations are also branching out and trying new strategies to make money. Among their tactics, they demand ransom, threatening to release or sell personal identifying information of a health system's patients. They're figuring out that certain monetization strategies are more lucrative than others. Other cybersecurity experts said the healthcare industry has been a popular target because it is transformed from a pen and paper orders and records to one that increasingly relies on software systems for electronic health records and remote communication with advent of telehealth services. The hackers likely view hospitals and doctors, and especially vendors who serve these health providers, as soft targets. While the healthcare industry has been slow to make the type of investment in computer security necessary to repel hackers, there are signs the industry is catching up. The hospital and healthcare entities that recognize modern hacking threats, understand it, and get up and do something about it are the ones who will be in the best position to get past the current situation. Our next story is titled, Bans on Plastic Bags Get Tied Up in Knots by Elizabeth Weiss. The idea is simple. Reduce plastic waste by requiring shoppers to bring their own reusable bags. The reality is messy. 
Plastic bag ban bans have spread across the nation, but some data suggests that switching to more durable multi-use bags creates new problems and in some cases means more, not less, plastic being used. Given how few single-use plastic bags are recycled, just 13%, reducing the number of plastic bags could have a big environmental impact. Now, the nation is split on what to do, strengthen bans or oppose them entirely. Some areas are closing loopholes and making rules stricter. Last week, legislation was introduced in California to double down on bans. Meanwhile, 20 states have banned the bans. It's about a fight over plastic population, a problem that has grown to epic proportions since the 50s. Thin, single-use plastic bags were first developed in the 60s in Europe. They appeared in U.S. grocery stores in 1979, edging out paper bags because they were significantly cheaper for grocers. By the 2000s, they were everywhere, including in the landfill, harming marine animals when they got in the waterways. Every material has an environmental impact, but plastic is especially problematic. And Shelley Miller, a professor of sustainable systems at the School for Environment Sustainability at the University of Michigan. It doesn't break down in the environment and can cause significant ecological damage. When a plastic bag escapes into the environment, animals can use it as a food source and ingest it. It can cause entrapment and entanglement, and there's lots of questions about microplastics in the environment. Concerned about the growing problem, the first ban on non-compostable plastic bags was put in place in San Francisco in 2007. A California-wide ban occurred in 2016. In 2023, California, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Maine, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington all had some form of a statewide ban on single-use plastic bags. Colorado and Rhode Island were added to the list this year. About 500 cities and towns also have ordinances. But there has been a backlash as well. As many as 20 states have passed laws banning any plastic bag bans at all, under the argument that they preempt local control. The Conservative American Legislative Exchange Council created a model bill for preempting banning such bans in 2015. While they're in place, the bans typically help but aren't as successful as proponents had hoped, in part because of compromises written into the laws to make them palatable to shoppers and the plastics industry, which isn't to say that they don't work. Areas with bans can eliminate almost 300 single-use plastic bags per person per year, according to a study released last month by Environment America. According to the report, bans in five states and cities covering 12 million people have cut single-use plastic bag consumption by about 6 billion bags a year. In the six months that California passed its ban, which ended handing out thin plastic bags and required grocers to charge for paper and thicker plastic bags, there was an 85% reduction in the number of plastic bags to customers and 61% in paper bags, according to a 2019 report to the state legislature. But the bans haven't entirely dealt with the problem. In some cases with bans, the amount of plastic bag waste is actually increasing. In California, for example, this happens because of what politicians are calling a loophole in the original bill, which allowed the sale of thicker reusable plastic bags at the checkout stand. The plastics industry has figured out a way of producing and selling bags in places where there are these bans. What seems to happen is that many consumers simply treat the thicker bags, which were designed to be reused, as just as disposable as the thin bags that were there were available before. 
A bag that's double the weight has double the impact unless it is reused more times or used to carry more goods, a major United Nations environmental report on plastic bags noted. In New Jersey, a study funded by plastic bag manufacturers found that while the number of single-use plastic bags sold declined by 60% after a bag ban took effect in 2015, the number of alternative plastic bags, including the stifter rectangular kind with handles that are now often used at grocery stores at checkout, increased. The same thing has happened in California. The year its bag ban was passed, Californians threw away 157,000 tons of plastic bags. In 2022, that had increased to 231,000 tons, according to the report. A new California law proposed last week would eliminate the option of getting the thicker, theoretically renewable bags at stores. Instead, stores can sell 100% recycled plastic bags or let consumers use reusable bags. Research by the United Nations Environmental Program shows that simply reusing bags enough times significantly lowers their environmental impact. It doesn't take a lot. If a bag is used for shopping twice instead of one, it has only half the environmental impact per shopping round. How often the UN research suggests shopping bags should be reused to significantly lower their impact? Four to eight times for paper bags, five to ten times for thicker plastic bags made of high-density polyethylene, ten to twenty times for durable tote-style bags sold at grocery stores, and fifty to one hundred fifty times for cotton bags. We want customers to buy a set of reusable bags and just use them until they fall apart. Sometimes you don't need a bag at all. If I shop in the grocery store and forgot my reusable bag, which I'll admit happens relatively often, I'm just grabbing a few things. I'll say no bag for me and just carry my groceries to my car. I have even heard of people who take their grocery cart to their car and put them in the trunk. Our next story is titled, Family is Grateful as Carter Marks One Year in Hospice Care by Savannah Kutcher. Sunday marked one year since former President Jimmy Carter, now 99, entered hospice care. The 39th president was diagnosed with cancer that had spread to his brain back in 2015. After a series of short hospital stays, Carter opted last year to spend his remaining time at home with his family and receive hospice care instead of additional medical intervention. A year later, the former president continues to be at home with his family, the Carter family said in a statement. The Carter family is grateful for the many expressions of love that have received and the continued respect for their privacy during this time. The family is pleased with this. his decision last year to enter hospice care has sparked so many family discussions across the country on this important subject. In recent years, three out of four hospice patients spent less than three months in end-of-life care, according to the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization. And while just the top 10% of those patients spend over 264 days of hospice, said Carter's situation is not in fact out of the norm. While the public may find this unusual, those of us who do hospice and palliative care don't find this as unusual. Patients often see better outcomes living longer as well as better quality of life with earlier referrals for hospice care. Suffering kills, and so many people don't have good pain management. They're feeling short of breath. Their depression or anxiety are not met. Their care needs are not met. It takes a toll on someone's heart, mind, spirit, body, and soul. We find that when we can mitigate suffering and support family caregivers, we are taking care of patients that when you add up all these factors together, that the patients do go far better. 
Grandson Jason Carter has told USA Today just weeks prior that Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter were coming to the end while his grandfather faces really significant physical challenges. Jason Carter said the former president would spend time watching baseball games and seeing families all together every day. He's been in hospice now for several months, and they are happy. They're together. They're at home. They're in love. And I don't think anyone gets more than that. Rosalind Carter died months later in November, just days after entering hospice care herself. She was 96. The former first lady, known for her advocacy work around mental health, had been diagnosed in May with dementia. Carter attended the second day of tribute services for his wife. He joined President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, former First Ladies, and others at the Glen Memorial Church in Atlanta. Our next story is titled, Radio Tower Theft Baffles Police, Station General Manager. Questions remain after a 200-foot radio tower was stolen in an Alabama town, knocking out local AM station off the air. The crime left the WJLX station's general manager, Brett Elmore, and the Jasper, Alabama Police Department blown away and confused. I have been in the radio business around it all my life and then call it and then in professionally for 26 years and I can say I've never heard of anything like this I say I've I've seen it all now when the tower was stolen the FCC gave the AM station temporary authority to continue broadcasting on the FM side but soon told them that they were no longer allowed to broadcast it's been a nightmare Elmer said the station is a huge part of Elmore's life and history his dad worked at the station in the 80s, and he grew up running around the halls. The heartbreaking theft and subsequent shutdown calls Elmar sleepless nights while he figured out what to do next. This is part of my fabric. It's more than a job. It's part of my life. According to the statement sent out by the station, Elmar learned that the theft of the tower at the beginning of the month. A landscaping company went down to the tower February 2nd, which was located in a wooded area behind a local poultry plant. When they arrived, they realized someone else had taken way more than, than they needed to. It is like a beehive of activity. He said thieves were likely able to use it to their advantage. Anyone could have snuck out of there, and nobody would have thought twice about it because a cut-up tower looks like scaffolding. Elmore believes the, steel, the thieves stole the tower to profit from selling the metal. How the crime was committed and who did it remains a mystery, but Elmore got some news a few nights ago that changed the station's dire situation. A GM got the call from a New York number while he was sitting in his recliner watching the evening news. On the other line was iHeartRadio's president of programming operations, John Zellner, asking him what he could do to help. They wanted to help out in any way they possibly could, Elmore said. They're radio people, just like me. And they did help. The radio company got WJLX back on the air iHeartRadio set the station up on its app and lent them one of its HD3 signals in Birmingham. The station now has iHeartRadio's HD signal set as, as its originating station, so it's now able to broadcast to FM radio again. The station has started a GoFundMe page to help recoup the cost of the tower. Since the property wasn't insured, Omar thinks it would cost $60,000 to replace the tower. So far, the station's GoFundMe has raised over $19,000. We still a ways to go, and that's okay. He said many people reach out and ask how they can help, and he said anyone who wants to donate can do so at GoFundMe. Our next story is out of the money section. Car insurance rates surged with Florida, New York, Louisiana at the top. 
If you think your food bill is high, now look at your car insurance. Bankrate estimates the national average cost of full coverage car insurance in 2024 increased by 26% to $2,543, up $529 from a year earlier. That's six times faster than overall inflation and more than any food item in the grocery store, including eggs, over the past three years. The rise isn't over, analysts say. There is likely further pain ahead. According to Bankrate, the states with the highest average annual premiums are Florida at $3,945, New York at $3,840, Louisiana at $3,618. The states where people are spending the largest percentage of their income on car insurance, or what Bankrate calls the true cost, are Louisiana at 6.53%, up 1.76% from 2023, Florida at 5.69%, up 7.79%, Michigan at 5.01%, up 1.51%. Note, Louisiana and Florida tend to rank high because both experience frequent catastrophic claims from extreme weather, Bankrate said. Allstate began selling insurance again on February 7th in California after receiving approval in December for a rate hike, but rates are up 30% higher, it said in the earnings conference call last week. Allstate or all other insurance companies have halted new auto insurance sales due to increased costs in California, partly due to weather patterns. So what states have the least expenses for car insurance? Vermont at $1,353, Idaho at $1,421, Maine at $1,507. By true cost, Massachusetts is only 1.76%, Hawaii is 1.79%, and Washington is 1.8%. Car insurance rates depend on your location, age, driving record, credit history, and type of vehicle. Electric vehicles tend to be costlier to insure because of high sticker and repair costs. Other factors that have nothing to do with you count too. The drastic increase in car crash fatalities, vehicle parts and labor costs, and extreme weather claims over the past few years have contributed to rising rates. Not only does extreme weather cause damage to vehicles, but it can also create hazardous driving conditions that results in more accidents. Meanwhile, the fatality rate during the first half of 2023 was 1.24 per 100 vehicle miles traveled, up 16%. Thefts are also soaring, topping 1 million in 2022 for the first time since 2008. Increased crime rates are going to translate to paying a higher premium for your vehicle. Vehicles, parts, and equipment prices have stabilized or dipped slightly, but they remain elevated. Every major car ownership expense, except gas, is dramatically more expensive than it was just three years ago, including used cars and trucks. Maintenance and repair costs are also expected to continue climbing, driven by the growing use of advanced pricier technology in vehicles and a shortage of qualified technologies to service and repair that technology. They also noted that climate scientists predict that extreme weather will get worse, not better. So what can you do to keep costs down? Well, one is shop around. You'll see more insurers competing for your business, which generally equals more choices. Consider unbundling. Usually you can get better pricing by bundling home and auto with one insurer but you'll likely be more challenging in 2024. The odds of finding a better policy by separating your home and auto are likely to increase. And lastly, telematics, or collection of your mileage and driving habits. Driving data could become the single most important insurance pricing factor for 2024. More insurers will use telematics 
programs to attract drivers with an opt-in discount and qualify for additional discounts as, at renewal time. Our next story is FDA recalls raw cheese over risk of E. coli. The FDA and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention are investigating a multi-state outbreak of E. coli potentially linked to raw cheddar cheese. Those federal agencies and state officials say the outbreak source is likely raw farm brand raw cheddar cheese made by Raw Farm LLC of Fresno, California. The raw farm raw cheddar blocks and shredded cheese products Original flavor and cheddar with added cheddar with added jalapeno were sold nationwide. Ten patients have been hospitalized in the outbreak, four in California, three in Colorado, two in Utah, and one in Texas. No deaths have been reported. The next story is titled, Apple Goes Against the Grain for Wet Telephones. For years, many cell phone owners have thought putting a wet device in rice would help suck the moisture out of a wet device, although tech Experts have dispelled this as an urban myth. Apple says you should not put your wet iPhone into a bag of rice. Doing so would allow small particles of rice to damage your iPhone. The notice comes because of a new liquid detection feature UK news site Metro reported. If your iPhone gets wet, a new feature sends an alert warning to you that your phone is wet and you should wait to charge it, the story said. Our next story is titled, Some Game Voice Actors Will Give AI a Chance. As video game worlds get more expansive, some game studios are experimenting with AI tools to give voice to a potentially unlimited number of characters and conversations. It often saves time. Some professional actors fear that AI voices could replace all but the most famous human actors. Others have been willing to give it a try if they're fairly compensated and their voices aren't misused. AI voice clones don't have the same reputation. Some early attempts by independent developers to add them to video games have been poorly received by gamers and actors. Most big studios haven't yet employed AI voices in a noticeable way and are still in negotiations on how to use them with Hollywood Actors Union. And lastly, traffic surge at Dubai Airport signals recovery. A number of fat passengers flying through Dubai International Airport have surged in the last year beyond its total for 2019, just before the coronavirus pandemic grounded global aviation. The airport is the world's busiest for international travel. Monday figures show 2023 was still shy of the all-time high in 2018. Overall, in 2023, the airport had 86.9 million passengers. Its 2019 annual traffic was 86.3 million passengers. The airport has 89.1 million passengers in 2018, its busiest every year before the pandemic, while 66 million passengers passed through in 2022. Now let's do some state-by-state. In Killingly, Connecticut, two dogs were rescued from a house fire in Killingly. The two adults and three children who live in the house were not home when the fire occurred. And out of West Boyston, Massachusetts, less than a year into its contract with the state Registry of Motor Vehicles to administer road tests for applicants seeking Class D driver's licenses. A Massachusetts driving school claims the agreement was terminated four months short, and it has asked its attorneys to demand it be reinstated without prejudice. Out of Providence, Rhode Island, a cheetah, which had lived at the Roger Williams Park Zoo for nearly a decade, has died after a health decline significantly in recent months. Out of Brewer, Maine, 
A state agency rejected a Canadian mining company zoning application for a proposed mine on Pickett Mountain in northern Penobscot County near the Baxter State Park and the Calatan Woods and Waters National Monument. Out of Burlington, Vermont, a Ukrainian man pleaded guilty to involvement in two separate malware schemes, including a cyber attack at the University of Vermont Medical Center in 2020 that temporarily shut down some of its vital services and cost it tens of millions of dollars, according to the U.S. Department of Justice. And out of Greenland, New Hampshire, Verizon wants to install a 100-foot-tall cell tower on Route 33 in an effort to improve coverage in several key areas around town. Well, that's it for today's edition of USA Today. I've been reading from the Tuesday, February 20th, 2024 issue. If you have any questions about the articles I've read, call the Chris Listener line at 860-727-9579. I'm Lou Miranda. So long until next time.